Welcome to Off the Bounce. This is the NBA podcast that you did not know you needed in your life. I'm your host, Gajan, and as always, I'm joined by Vic Nash. Hey, hey. And Nissan. What's going on, folks? And you know I'm here with your fun facts. And guess what, guys? Do you know load management's actually a thing? Wow. You know, this is one of the few times I'm actually going to allow his fun fact. Yeah, but coming from you, I don't want to hear it. Yeah, we got to hear from someone else. How do you want load management now? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't have that kind of energy right now. But. So much to dissect, so much to talk about. Last episode was really a preview of the playoffs, making some predictions. We'll get into that. We're well into the heart of the playoffs right now. Eight teams remaining. Eight teams remaining. And we're going to get to the Raptors because obviously that's probably going to take up the bulk of this conversation. But let's talk about Denver and Portland. Denver is up 3-2 on the Trailblazers. Do they close it out tomorrow evening? No. Denver has been a perpetually bad road team. And I don't think they're closing out game six on on Portland's like home floor. Mm -hmm. I think it's coming back to seven. And I think Denver's going to take it. But that being said, if Jamal Murray and Jokic can produce what they did in game five and game six, and we get a dud performance from CJ and, and Damian Lillard, mm-hmm. anything could happen. I think that four overtime, like yeah. that quadruple overtime game yeah. is showing its effects on the Portland team more so than, right. than this Denver yeah, team, right? right. Because... Obviously, the usage rate of CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard are so high, and they're significantly thinner than the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. And you can see that in like the step that the that the Denver Nuggets have when it came to when it, when it came to like the last two games where like late late in the game they were the ones with more energy. Right, right. right. Jamal Murray was able to take over. Right, right, right. Nissan, what about you? Do you think they close it out? No, I have to agree with Vic Nash on this one. I think it's going to go the full seven games. Yeah. Um, I don't think Damien has it in him to let it go on their home court. Mm. And I think both CJ, CJ and Dame are probably going to catch fire. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I, I think seven games and Denver, they might, cl- I think Denver is going to win the series mm-hmm. um, back on their home floor. Mm. But everything that Vic Nash said is really great. I, I, gotta, I mean, you really literally took the words out of my mouth. Yeah, great, great saying, guys. Uh, but you know what? I hate to say it, but. Not enough bass in that sound effect, but I'm telling you, they're going to close it out. You know, the Denver Nuggets and Portland Trailblazers, this was the series that we needed, the NBA playoffs needed. Like, this pretty much epitomizes what the NBA playoffs are all about. You get these quadruple overtimes. You have Ennis Cantor, who was thought to be a nobody, picked up off of waivers, playing through a shoulder injury. Just, I love the storylines here, but the Joker, he has this finesse to him that you don't see in a big man. And the size matchup isn't there. If they had Nurkic, maybe. But I really think Denver is going to close it out. Hey, hey, hey. You got to give... If you're going to shout out the Joker, you got to shout out our fellow Canadian, Jamal Murray. All right, He's actually found some serious poise in this playoffs. I didn't see it in the first round. I was a little, you know, pessimistic on his ability to perform under pressure. But he's been pivotal for the Denver Nuggets and how far they've gone. He, so, when, he, when he catches fire... He is like your prototypical heat check player. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know when Kobe catches fire and is whoa, just whoa, hitting whoa, the whoa. ridiculous shots? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you putting him and Kobe in the same no, no, sentence? No, no, no. No, no, But, like, you, you know how you know how it feels. Be crazy. You done? Are you done? I'm just... 
He's letting just you know. using an example. I'm using and making let an the analogy. Man finish. Let it's, the man finish. It's like he that's was a hitting. Bold, that's a bold analogy. That's a bold analogy. I'm sorry. Well, uh, you can finish off. I'm going to let you finish. Like, you know how when Kobe hits ridiculous shots, mm-hmm. that's how Jamal Murray was hitting ridiculous shots for the last two games at least. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Especially yesterday. When have you seen Jamal Murray sky in for a putback over Ennis Cantor? Mm-hmm. Right? You don't see that. Yeah. When Jamal Murray catches fire, he's going to let that shit burn. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the Eastern Conference where the Boston Celtics are facing the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee. Tip-off is set to go in about 30 minutes. So, I'm going to ask you a similar question. Do the Bucks close out this series and send Kyrie packing? Nissan? I think Boston, they're going to show up tonight. They're wow. Gonna put, on the road? They're going to, wow. yeah. Listen, they showed up game one. And yes, I know after that, Paul Pierce said it was over. And he was absolutely wrong because Bucks won three straight after that. After that comment he made. But I think, um, you know, with all the criticism that Boston has been getting... Kyrie being uh, Kyrie getting all that criticism as well um, throughout the season and really just transferred over to the playoffs. Like everyone's acting like, you know, this is something new and wasn't anticipated in the playoffs. It's like, no, this is how they've been playing throughout the season. So it's not really a surprise. Yeah, the man shot eight for 22 in the last last in the last two games, uh, eight and then seven and then seven. he saw oh. eight. And, and then he said seven. he'd never happen again, and then he went seven. Seven, yeah. So it technically didn't happen again. But I think Boston, I can, I'm not going to count them out because they're still a really good team, especially on paper. And we have seen them play really well and contain Giannis and the Bucs. To be fair, that game one that they won was on the Bucks' home floor, mm-hmm. right? And that was a dominant showing. If they could reproduce, I... I, I do you believe that the Bucks? will close it out this series because they've had like in dominant six, showing for three sorry. games in a row now. In game five right now. you think Do I think the Bucks yes. are going to close yes. it out? Yeah, I don't see why not because they've been just ridiculously dominant. Okay. Okay. Well, I will tell you right now, there is no way the Milwaukee Bucks are losing tonight to the Boston Celtics. The so Celtics, we're on the same page. Yep. The Celtics, I know, I built it up like I was going to disagree yeah. with you. <laughs> um, you know, I, sorry, I was disagreeing with Nissan here. Um, you got to think about this, though. There's been a lot of turmoil in the locker room with this whole Kyrie thing. There's this all of he said, she said, or he said, he said. And, you know, Kyrie's pretty much leaving the Celtics, okay? Knowing that, like that undercurrent in the locker room, and you're looking at this Milwaukee team that refuses to quit, do you really think the Celtics think they, they can pull off three wins in a row, two of which are on the road? I think they know that's not possible. Whether they want to admit it or not is a different thing, but it's subconsciously, they know it's not possible. Kyrie especially knows it's not possible. No matter what kind of genius level he has on the basketball court, he knows that's not going to happen. Even though he was part of the Cleveland team uh, that did it to the Warriors three years ago, I believe that the Milwaukee Bucks are going to come out guns blazing, build an early 15 to 20 point lead and just bury the Celtics early on. They might catch up in toward the tail end of the game, but I don't see them winning this. That is a good point. But for all intents and purposes, mm-hmm. we haven't seen Kyrie have that like statement Kyrie game in mm-hmm. this series. Mm-hmm. Like game one was, an, it was a solid performance all across the board, the entire team. Mm-hmm. But we know Kyrie has it in him to have that, that Kyrie Irving, Uncle Drew, I'm going to take over this game mm-hmm. sort of game. And I think, I think for, the, for the sake of Kyrie's like 
for that for the narrative for for wherever he decides to go next for that next contract Kyrie needs to ball out this game even okay. if they lose okay. so I think Kyrie's gonna have that statement game right now um I'm hoping he does because then that makes this series interesting and that prolongs the series and hopefully the Raptors can close out before the Bucks and get some more rest so I'm thinking like that way okay. too okay but if if there's any game for Kyrie to like ball out and turn into Uncle Drew it is this game five all right, so let's go back to the Western Conference now. Looking at the Golden State Warriors and the Houston Rockets series, what has been the most surprising development for you? And how do you see this series ending? Because they're tied 2-2 right now, about to go into Game 5 tonight back in Golden State, back in, back in the Bay. Viknesh, tell us, how do you see this kind of playing out? But what, more importantly, what's been the most surprising thing for you? The most surprising thing for me has been the defense of P.J. Tucker. Right, wow, he's yeah. he, he he was given he is he is six six. KD is seven foot. He took that assignment and he's like, "Hey, I'm gonna do my best. I'm just gonna make life hard for KD." Mm-hmm. And even though KD is still averaging, you know, a solid like twenty seven, twenty eight points per game this series, it hasn't been as efficient as it could as it was in the Clippers series or even at the beginning of the series, right? And what's happened is that defensive intensity has come up everywhere. Um, with within like it's also trickled down to like everyone just being a lot more tough, right? That game. Let's let's be honest. That game one, that Houston, that 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 Houston lost. If they didn't spend the next thirty six hours complaining about the refs and complaining yeah. about calls yeah. and actually preparing for game two, yeah. they would have stood a chance and they would have been able to yeah. win game two, yeah. right? With that being said, if they weren't preparing reports, yeah, for the league about how they were gypped. Maybe yeah. they would have. Maybe the narrative would have been a little bit different. Exactly. So that being said, all four games have like game one was a blowout. Game two was a tight game. Game three was a tight game. Game four was a tight game. But what we're seeing is the mental toughness of this Houston team, right? Yeah. If you're looking, if you add up all the points scored between game one and four, it's only about a three or four point differential. Yeah. Between the two teams. So they are evenly matched. And for whatever reason it is, like when Golden State is off the three-point shot, like game four, they were off, but they were still in the game. Yeah. Right? They still came down to a bucket, right, in, to force it into overtime. Game three was an overtime game, mind you. With that being said, I still am taking Golden State in seven. In seven. Oh. Okay. Nisa, I mean, again, what has been surprising to you, and how do you see this series going? The surprising thing is the fact that KD is still playing amazing, even with PJ Ducker on him. That's surprising to you? He's the best player in the league. No, I know that. But, I mean, I felt like they would probably game plan a little bit better on him than, obviously, Clippers, the Clippers would have. Mm. Um, but well, yeah, it comes down to this. Two things, really. It's the rebounding. And in the four games that they played, the team that out-rebounded them, or whoever got the most rebounds, won the game. So mm-hmm. the last two games, Houston now rebounded Golden State. Won the game or won the game? Won the game. Sorry. All right. <laughs> That's uh, interesting because there's no DeMarcus Cousins. Exactly. You're not playing Andrew Bogut this series, and you're stuck with Kevon Looney. You're not really playing Jordan Bell or anyone. Well, they, have a very, they have a very thin lineup, but the first two games, I mean, it were close games, but Golden State out-rebounded them. If, if you notice, too, Steve Kerr did not, like, save his, his chess moves, right? He came out. Guns are blazing. Mm-hmm. He threw out the Hamptons five to start the game. Yeah, but they right? also planned for that. Like I think people have seen the Hamptons five in the regular season. 
and you plan for that, right? You play a different level of basketball. It's, and again, it's, it's you see you see the grit and grind that Houston brings to combat the Hamptons five. And it showed, especially in the last two games, I would even say in the last two and a half games, I don't know. I, 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 it's just, it's not this impenetrable force that it once was three, three years ago. This idea that the Warriors really champion in this league. But, so where I disagree with that is, is that every time the Warriors have come to this point of us doubting their superiority and like them not being that unstoppable force mm-hmm. or that immovable object, like mm-hmm. whatever it is, mm-hmm. they've actually just like turned it up, mm-hmm. right? They've tur- they turned it up against Houston in the regular season mm-hmm. on Houston's floor when everyone was like, okay, KD is out, so you guys are not going to win this game. They turned it up. They turned it up against Denver in Denver right. to secure this number one seed. Right. And now we're here where everyone was like, you should have... It should be a 3-1 series going back home yeah. for Game 5 in Golden State. I genuinely think that Clay has not had a good series. Steph has had like an up-and-down series. Yep. I generally think that you're going to see that. You're going to see that Hamptons 5 but here's flourish. The thing, here's the thing. They, at one point, seemed like this indomitable force. That doesn't exist anymore. That doesn't mean that they won't win the series and ultimately win the championship. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is that if you look at how they're being played now by their opponents... Look at the fact that Clay is not able to get a rhythm going. Look at the fact that even Steph is finding a lot more challenge getting shots off. He just doesn't have the space that he once did. Teams are planning better for him. That, that margin of victory is closing the playoffs for them, where it's not these blowouts that you would have seen you know, in the years prior. It's evident. Again, you look at the last year. Look at the last year. The Rockets almost knocked them out. It wasn't that big of a discrepancy, right? I also think, I mean, just watching the series, yeah, last year they did take them to seven games, but even watching the series is, I mentioned, I mentioned this earlier in a previous conversation with Vic Nash, but it seems like they're not playing the style that they used to play where there was a lot more ball movement, and they're, kind of, they're relying a little bit more on you know, Kevin Durant. But like I mentioned earlier, I think we got to look into, when I look at the numbers, and Houston really likes to dig up some data because you know, that's what they did after game one with the refereeing, it does come down to the rebounding because in the previous game, Houston got, I think it was 10 offensive boards. 10 offensive boards. And total, they ended with 13 offensive boards, which resulted in 11 second chance points. But then again, yeah, that game four, Houston took 53s and they made like a significant amount of them. Whereas Golden State took around 33s and only made around eight. But here's, right? here's that, the thing. There's that discrepancy too. Right, Golden. You're not gonna get a bad shooting night from Golden State like that all the time, right? Yeah. And like that happened in Game Four. That's not happening in Game Five. I get that, but I mean, you can't give up that many offensive boards and those second chance points. Points because even if you are coming back from the onslaught of offense that there's that Houston is scoring, it's gonna be hard to chip away at this at the at the at the deficit that they have. The the problem with relying on the stats is that it comes back to when and where and what games these are present. Because if you look at them, again, the discrepancy in points is not that much in this series. If you're looking at the rebounding, they are identical, you know, in this series, right? If you're looking at assists, slight edge to Golden State. If you're looking at steals, you're slight edge to the Houston Rockets. So it, it's too close to rely on these stats. And it is just going to come down to who wants it more. There's... There is this thing with the Warriors where when I see them, sometimes 
I've seen them at their peak mental toughness. I don't see that right now. It might exist in Kevin Durant exclusively. Like, he just consistently goes to another level. But when you look at the the Houston Rockets, I'm sorry, there's something about them that is like the Terminator, that is just coming out of the fire that refuses to die. They refuse to die. Going down 2-0, getting stabbed in the eye, it, they come back. They come back. I think, I think Steve Kerr put it best after Game 4 loss is the Rockets' physicality. Their team looks like a lot of middle, middle linebackers on that team versus the Golden State Warriors who look like volleyball players, tall and lean. Mm. Mm. I think that says a lot. Yep. Well, And again, that's why I got to say, while I will predict that the Warriors are going to win this series, I would not be surprised if the Houston Rockets upset them. And if I was a betting man, I would rather bet on the Houston Rockets upset than just trying to make a few pennies off of the Golden State uh, six or seven game winning in, the, in this series. Anyways, a lot of discussion there. We got to end it off on the Toronto Raptors Philadelphia series. Canada, Canada is soft. It, they're not. I'm I like visiting what? too, but it's soft. What? All right, Drake, no. Drake is a dope rapper. No. Okay, okay. So here's the thing. We have a reputation as the Toronto Raptors. But what people didn't account for is how we perform with a superstar on our team. The last time we had it was when Vince Carter was here and we made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yes, it didn't go our way, but again, a superstar caliber player. And now we have a superstar caliber player. Arguably, the best player to ever play in a Toronto Raptors jersey in Kawhi Leonard. 100%. They came out and shellacked the Philadelphia 76ers to take a 3-2 lead in the series last night. They are playing tomorrow, game six in Philadelphia. Viknesh, tell me, do the Toronto Raptors seal the deal and book their ticket to Milwaukee? Yes, I'm calling it right now. I'm assuming that they're going to Milwaukee. Do they seal the deal for an Easter Conference Finals in Milwaukee? From Game 6, I am saying yes. How do you like load management now? Yes. How do you like load management now, Joel Embiid? Mm -hmm. Right? My guy over here wanted to be an aviation pilot. (laughs) Right? Was flying all around in Philly. But little did he know that Philly's been taking L's from Toronto since time. Mm-hmm. All right? And we're about to hand them another one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I think that I think that right now we see blood, right? And like those Raptors in Jurassic Park, we are going to attack, right? And I get it. Joel Embiid was sick, this, that. He was like, I don't know what the heck they were doing, but. I am the most dominant player. That was really bad, by the way. That was a terrible Joel Embiid impression. You know what? He just said, he said he was the most dominant. He was he, he said when he's on the floor, he's the most dominant. And he hasn't shown that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. He showed that for one game where he decided to fly on his plane. But then when that plane came to Toronto, we slapped them by the, to the tune of 36 points and sent that plane right back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? So I, th- I, I honestly think I'm like, I, I, I think the Raptors are more than capable of finishing off the series 
because game five was kind of the litmus test for what every game can be if this team decides to everyone decides to show up and play their roles properly. Nissan, what do you have to say about this series? Are the Raptors closing it out? It's over, ladies and gentlemen. It's over, like Kenny Smith said. That's right. It's over. You know you don't have to act out the sound effects. I know. I, just, I know. I just play it, right? But listen, we have their calling card now. We figured it out. And just like how Philly kind of figured us out in game two and three, I think we're unstoppable now. And going big, it just, like, that that move, that move change that Nick Nurse made with Serge Ibaka and Gasol playing together side by side, one, it's given Serge a little bit more confidence. Two, the Philly, Philadelphia Sixers don't have any answers for that. Tobias Harris is not going to lock down Serge Ibaka. He's not going to lock down Marcus Saul. Aside from that, just watching yesterday's game, the Sixers started doubling Kawhi for no reason, like right off the bat. And Shaq and Chuck, I mean, they even called them out too. It's like, why would you even do that? You know, like Kawhi is a superstar player. He's going to find an open player. And he ended with only about four assists, but it could have been a lot more because he had, according to NBA.com, he had... 14 potential assists, meaning 14 times a teammate took a shot and just missed Mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. a pass from him. Here's my thing. The hardest seat right now in the NBA is Brett Brown's coaching seat Yep. because Nick Nurse made the must-needed change and rolled the dice by playing Serge Ibaka and Marc Gasol, a lineup which has logged more minutes together in the last two games than they have the entire regular season, mind you. Yep. And that lineup worked. That gave us, you know, two different bodies to throw at Joel Embiid, yep. length in rebounding, and just spreading the floor for, for, for Kawhi to operate. Right. And Brett Brown did not adjust. He had two games to adjust. Yeah. You, you saw that really coming out in the tail end of uh, game three. Sorry. Uh, it was game three, I believe, in uh, Philadelphia. Game three. Sorry, no, 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 game four, sorry. Game, game, game four. four, yeah. Because um, they just finished game five. Sorry, I got a little confused there. But the end of game three, really, you saw these minutes where... Game four, uh, game four. Sorry, game four, where Serge and Gasol would just run up on Embiid and just close him out. Sometimes even triple teaming him, really frustrating him, not allowing him to get any kind of rhythm, positioning, or really... You know, you see the lack of playmaking ability sometimes when that happens. That is the biggest Despite key. his height, you know, when they swarm him like that, he doesn't know. And what adds to that is Ben Simmons not knowing where to be. He's not, he's not in the right places to help out. I was watching this game, and I'm looking at this. And listen, I'm not a coach. Guys, am I an NBA head coach? No. Nowhere close to it. Exactly. I'm watching this game, and I'm looking at how the game is going. And I'm thinking, okay. You got Ennis the third, Sir Ennis the third, who was hot. You have Tobias Harris, who was actually hot. You had Butler, who was hot. You have JJ Redick, who was hitting the catch and shoot pretty easily. Why on earth do you have Ben Simmons in the last seven or eight minutes of the game there? Like, what's the point? Why not put four shooters and Joel Embiid out there when it's a margin of two points between them at that time and just shoot the three ball, live and die by the three? You know what I mean? Like, I'm watching this game, and it makes absolutely no sense at all. Whoever's on fire, when the margin is that close, you put on whoever has that. Ben Simmons is coming up the court and literally clogging up the lane for them to lose. And I'm watching this as a Raptors fan, and I'm concerned because I'm like, 
we didn't deserve that win. Watching game four in Philadelphia, we didn't deserve that win. Even though we, we got it. We even though we got harder. it. Yeah. Even though we got it, we didn't deserve that win. That wasn't our best showing. Game five is our best showing. This is like our peak performance, close to it. Again, if everyone is healthy, this is what we can do. This is how we can dominate. And this is the best version of basketball where Kawhi has the help. He's not ISO heavy and great ball distribution. And plenty of people have time to shoot, catch their, you know, get their position, get their footing, and run the plays that were designed by Nick Nurse. So I think that they're going to close out this series in Philadelphia. I think they're all going to rally around each other and just say, we're going to just step down on their necks a little bit and make sure that we take advantage of the situation that Joel Embiid has found himself into. I have migraine and diarrhea. <laughs> I think, I mean, you made a good point with the Ben Simmons what, like, question why he should be on the floor. Everyone knows he can't shoot, but one thing he did give us trouble with was on the boards. And I know I'm talking about rebounds again, but he did, you know, impact the offensive boards and he did crash the glass and he does... You know, even though he knows he can't shoot, he does other things. And that's hey, 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 hey. As Charles Barkley said, the man is averaging a triple single. A triple single. That is true. I still think Raptors are eking out this win, like, for sure. If we translate the, what we've done, you know, in game five to game six, we're not going to blow them out by 30, but it's going to be a close game. And I, f- I find that we are going to win because, again, we, we, p- we found their cards. We picked out their cards, and we, they can't stop us. They're going to... You know, at first they were getting into our passing lanes and they were one step ahead when they got game two and game three from us. But we figured it out, which again, Brett Brown couldn't do. And honestly, I think not only Brett Brown's on the hot seat, but Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons could be too. I don't think Joel Embiid's going to be there. I think he's too valuable. But I, I think Ben Simmons, after the. You, you got to look at him twice. I think the Philadelphia management does not have the courage to trade either of these pieces. But I think practically speaking, you've got to consider moving a Ben Simmons for a more seasoned ball distributor, especially if you're going to keep Butler. Like, what if you can get, you know, someone like a Mike Conley for him, right? Someone that knows where to be, knows how to distribute, knows how to feed the people that actually are going to give you the shot. Like, and could be hot himself as well, right? Because you're trying to win now. Exactly. You don't know. I mean, here's the thing. You don't know how many good seasons you have in Joel Embiid. If this season if this series yeah. has proved anything, you don't know you don't know how many good seasons you have left with him, right? It it, it doesn't look promising that he's going to have a 10-15 year career at this level of domination. So, with that in mind, do you not want to pair him up with someone that has the ability, the wherewithal to know how a game should be played fundamentally? Like we're talking about fundamentals here. And after a whole season, looking at last playoffs, this playoffs, does Ben Simmons look like he got better? No. no. All right. So with that in mind, do you really want to take a chance and say he's going to get better? And if so, how much better? Why not just get someone that's like absolutely better, right? That has, might to have capitalize a... capitalize on this window with Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Would, would, it, would you rather trade Ben or... I hear you on the Ben trading. I get that. But I find that trading Joel Embiid... A, you can probably get much more out of him. And two, Joel Embiid is a little bit more injury-prone than Ben Simmons is. Listen, and we see that now in the playoffs where, you know, they didn't care about load management and they ran him to the ground throughout the regular season. And look at him now with knee injuries and he's sick now. So what happens if they bring in a better coach? They, they, they manage his load, I guess you could say, and allow him to be the best version of himself. 
why wouldn't you take the better player? He is the better player. If you're looking at who's winning you games, who dominates games, who's scoring points, who actually knows how to play their position and play it well, knowing where to be and make his teammates better, why wouldn't you want that? There is no argument to be made that Ben Simmons is a better basketball player, assuming that they're both healthy. There's no argument to be made that Ben Simmons is a better basketball player than Joel Embiid. Well, in that case, then you're better off just keeping this team as is and just getting rid of the coaching staff. But you've seen that, you, and you agreed with me on this, that Ben Simmons has not played better year to year in the last two playoffs that he's been. Listen, Joel Embiid is more, more likely than not going to be your first team All-NBA center, Yeah, right? That shows you the level at which he plays. We're talking Mark Jackson after game three was like, if you don't put Joel Embiid in the conversation, in the pantheon of greatest bigs to ever play this game, if he's not a part of that conversation, then you're not a fan of basketball. Then you're not mm-hmm. someone that knows basketball. Mark Jackson said that about Joel Embiid. That's the level of talent that Joel Embiid has. So, yeah, I'm not trading that type of talent. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I'm trading Ben Simmons who has a, who has LeBron level upside but hasn't shown even like a single step towards achieving that upside. Yeah, like it's one thing to have the potential and one thing to actually that realization of that potential. Yeah, to to a certain even to like an like a certain degree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Again, this has been uh, a really full fleshed out episode. I, I, again, what, what's better than the NBA playoffs when it comes to sports? Come on, like this is this is just absolutely thrilling. There's so many storylines, and I'll, I said it before. I said it again, the fact that LeBron is not here, I kind of like it. You're, you're yeah. seeing more players being talked about, more talent being recognized, and it's just refreshing to see that as well. Thank you guys for listening. Our next episode is going to come out a lot sooner. We're not going to give you this two-week window. We're going to have another episode out real soon to talk about how these series played out and hopefully give you a look at what the Eastern Conference, Western Conference Finals are going to look like. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Peace, peace. In Kauai, we trust.